We've heard time and time again, I never learned how to run a business before I started my practice. Some people do learn over time and others continue to struggle with running a profitable and high quality medicine practice. Years pass where the owner practices medicine, pays very little attention to the practice's profitability, and eventually gets burnt out where they want to sell immediately. As an owner, we should be spending time building up personal wealth, not letting our practice be our wealth. But the question many have is how? Today, we're going to share with you thoughts and tips on how to create a financial balance to where your personal life is continually nourished by your practice, and you're not stuck relying on the future sale for retirement. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets, this is CJ Burnett and Tom Seco. We're financial advisors that work with veterinarians, practice owners, and the veterinary community across the United States, owners of the Florida Veterinary Advisors, and the host of this podcast, the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. Our mission is to provide a different way of thinking, to make financial decisions easy, so you can spend time doing other things. And make sure to check out all our other great resources available on our website, such as complimentary race financial CEs, assessments, videos, masterclasses, articles, everything you can find basically at our website at flvetadvisors.com. And if you're finding our podcast to be helpful, please take the time to either go rate us on Apple or Spotify. We could really use your help with that. If you're not on either one of those platforms, go to our Facebook page, the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast, and show us some love there. We'd love to hear from you. So we want to talk today about practice ownership and kind of the taking into account your personal plan as well as your business plan. Because I know that Tom and I are oftentimes, uh, we get into a meeting with a practice owner and they talk about how they never were taught a lot of the things as far as owning a practice, building a culture, hiring employees, firing employees, because sometimes that that's a necessary part of the job. And so today we'll go into a little bit more detail around some of the things that we've noticed give people a lot of added value in those meetings, even though it's not customized here, we're going to give you at least what we can. If you're a practice owner, you might have followed the same approach to ownership or how most veterinarians have done it. Uh, you were working at a corporation or a smaller practice. You got fed up of how things were running. Then you decided to start doing things on your own. And that might've worked at some point. Maybe it doesn't work now. And we've met a lot of people who have a, a financial plan, but that doesn't really take into account their, their business goals and what they're trying to accomplish on that side. So like we, we oftentimes, I know CJ, when we were talking with veterinarians, and there's one book that I always like is The uh, E-Myth Veterinarian by uh, Michael Gerber. And I think Peter Weinstein has was in that, wrote, wrote that book as well, where it's like trying to do all these different things. And veterinarians tend to spend a lot of time being technicians, being the ones doing the work. And now all of a sudden they become an owner where they're the entrepreneur and then they're the technician. And then also they have to figure out how to manage that business. So may maybe you identify with this, maybe you don't, but we find that this tends to be something a lot of people jump into it right off when they have owner, uh, start owning a practice. Right. Because technicians are the ones that are doing the work for the for the end user, right? In vet, vet med, it's the animal. The ones doing the work for mm -hmm. the animal right now, the managers... In, in E-Myth Revisited, but which the veterinarian one, at least, 
The managers are the people that are like, actually just, they're historians. They're looking at processes in the business, how to make things better, hiring, firing employees, making sure that just the overall operations work. And then the entrepreneurs are the people in the business that are always looking forward, trying to figure out like, what's the next marketing the thing that they need to put money towards? What's the next location going to be, right? Entrepreneurs are generally look, always looking at the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing. So the entrepreneurs live in the future. Technicians live in the now. Managers live in the past. And I think we've met a lot of people where they don't, they don't really know where they fit. Or we've met a lot of people where they're really heavy in the technical side. Right? They, they started a business because they wanted to practice good medicine or they believed that they, they had a better way of practicing medicine than where they were at. And so they go out on their own, not really realizing that there's a managerial part and there's an entrepreneurial part. And sometimes you can hire people to do those things for you, but oftentimes none of those people are going to take that the level of ownership that you're going to take because obviously you are the owner. The scariest part about being an owner, because a lot of times people get into owning a practice, even like any business period, and they, they start running it for the fact of it's like they wanted to do something differently. Maybe they wanted to make more income. There, there are certain goals that were in place. And they usually don't find their ideal is not to put make the practice become their entire plan, uh, where it's like basically the, the business is doing everything for them and it becomes their retirement and it becomes what their success is going to be in the future. But this tends to naturally happen to a lot of people because they get so sucked into the the day to day, I will, I will even say there's probably some of you that can identify with this right now where uh, your employees are, are constantly just, they're, they're needing something where you're having to provide guidance and assistance and then trying to assist with patients. And it's very difficult to like sometimes pull yourself out of that when you're also having to um, just depend so much on being in the business to service it. Well, and financial wise, this moves a lot of practice owners to where their 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 entire financial life is dependent on business performance. It's dependent on revenue coming in because if revenue is not coming in and expenses are going out, you're gonna you're gonna have a lower bottom line. Lower bottom line means lower lifestyle for you, and it also means the potential where the business takes steps backwards, right? So, oftentimes from a financial perspective, a person who opens a practice ends up being almost entirely reliant on the performance of the business and their entire future is reliant on the eventual sale of that practice of which valuations on vet practices are very heavily uh, geared towards the cash flow. So if the income is low, if the revenue is low, then it's not going to have much value. And so a lot of the times practice owners don't realize that their personal financial plan is not just entirely dependent on the business for their everyday lifestyle, but then it's also going to be dependent on the business for their future. Mm-hmm. And, and this really segues here in conversation around that most people operate their business and their personal life separately because they, they go to work. It does things like there's this one question that I we ask owners all the time. And uh, this is kind of like a, a business 101 question of what did your what did your practice do in revenues last year and how did it do in profitability? Like what did you actually make at the end of the day on your business? And it's incredible all the amount of conversations that we typically have where they just, people don't know. Their default answer is, well, my accountant knows that. And it just, it really shows that when it comes to planning, it's like their entire life is dependent on, you know, one, they're just taking some income out of the business. And then there's very random amounts of distributions or owner draws that are usually referred to these profits that maybe the business is making, or there's not a lot of clarity around it. And they're not really sure on how to either reinvest 
or take those dollars and direct those profits back to their personal life to make it less dependent on the future sale or, or any other options that are around uh, along the way. It could be even trying to implement things that if they were going towards the business of creating a better employee culture, or understanding how to retain employees, there's, there's so many factors that are getting missed along the way. And our hope oftentimes is, is that practice owners, whenever they own a practice, that they, that they can get real clarity on where money should be going in the business, in their personal life, towards employees, towards reinvestment, whatever it is. And, you know, because at the end of the day, when Tom and I are meeting with clients and they don't have that, it, it, they themselves often feel like they're just kind of going day to day without any real direction. Right. And so your reasons for planning, the, 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 the real reasons why you started the business is important to keep in mind because otherwise you're just going to spin your wheels. Otherwise, you're going to eventually hate being a business owner because it, it's just going to be that thing that you get up in the morning, you go, you handle everyone's problems, but never your own. And then you're just you, you're never going to really feel successful from that perspective. And so if, you, if you're in that position even right now, like I'm hoping we hope that this this episode at least provides a little bit of direction on what to do next. Now, oftentimes there are people that we meet with where they keep excessive amounts of money inside their business. Like they only need maybe a half or even a third of what's actually in the business monetarily. So there's, there's a certain level. Uh, we actually break it down into three segments. Money comes into three different parts, right? The first part is the money that sits in the accounts that allows you to sleep at night. Like you, like you need a certain amount of money just from the, the mistiming of expenses and revenues. Uh, so that way your, your payroll can get paid and you don't have any issues where your, your accounts go to zero and then you can't make payroll. So there's a certain, we call that like kind of safe money, right? That, that's, that's the money that helps you sleep at night. The money above that is all that money that you've got in those accounts that are meant for something very big. Maybe you're gonna buy a piece of equipment, Maybe you're going to hire another employee. Maybe you're going to put in implement a, a 401k soon. There's a certain amount of money above that's that that sleep money, the stuff that allows you to sleep, that sits there, that should be there, and will eventually leave anyway. And then all the money above that, we can we we actually have a nickname for that. It's called dead cash. We call it dead cash because it's cash that's sitting there. It's not working for you. It's not working in the business. It's not working in your personal life. And, and so if you have an excessive amount of money, like you, and you can't, most people instinctively know what, if they have got, if, if this is them, you may not know exactly, exactly to the dollar, but there's probably a certain amount of money that you have that's just sitting there. It's not really doing anything for you. Maybe your business doesn't even have any dead cash because cash flow is very uncertain too. So these are really huge things to be paying attention to. I, I'd find it scary being an owner, CJ, if I were operating a business and keeping very low amounts of cash and not understanding what I should be keeping in there. Uh, which is especially when you know that your personal financial life is incredibly dependent on how successful your business is going to be. Right. And there's no, there's no one size fits all for this, this answer too. Like there's, it's not like the same amount of cash should be in all businesses. Right. And you know, one thing is it's, I find it very interesting a lot of the times too, where, when you become a business owner, the the factor shouldn't be, you know, I'm going to take a very small salary out of my business. I'm I'm going to, you know, live on very little amount, and then hopefully the business does better, and I can start taking more. Uh, because 
what happens is that a lot of accountants out there that we do find like people will lean on them because that's, they have to file their taxes. And most of the time they'll go to their accountant and their accountant, they'll ask them like, well, how much money can I be taking from my business? And it puts a lot of pressure on that person. Like I feel like tremendously feel for them because it's like they're having to boil down a number that makes sense. And then especially depending on how they're taking taxes or not. Um, But I I know this tends to be a big thing, right? Well, when you think about it, just accountants in general, like I think we, I, I, my heart aches for them in many different ways because like people think that they're for saving them taxes and, and to a certain degree they are, but at the same time, your accountant can't answer questions that are, uh, that may be more strategic, right? And, and because they're, they're not, that's not what you hired them for. You hired them to file your taxes or you hired them to do bookkeeping. And if you're looking, if you need guidance beyond that, there's a good chance that maybe your accountant either can't provide that or probably shouldn't provide that just because, you know, may, maybe that kind of service isn't is beyond what they can provide. And I think a lot of the times when you ask your accountant how much salary you should take, how much distributions, it's going to be hard for them to also know because usually they're looking backwards. They're not looking forwards, right? And that's not because that's not their job. Their job is not to actually help you and look forward. A lot of the time now, some of them do provide those those uh, services to look forward, but a lot of them don't. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of times businesses business owners end up stressing a lot about taxes because you know they 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 probably only talk to their accountant once per year. Right. And, and the accountant oftentimes, especially if you're a startup, if you're early on in your business cycle, it's very hard for them to know exactly how much salary they should take. Now they have guidance, they have rules that they follow within the IRS. So you definitely want to follow the rules that the IRS has established that, that they will help you follow. But a lot of the times clients don't even know how much their, their life costs them from month to month. There's no ability for them to give uh, guidance for the accountant to say, hey, I need X amount of dollars from the business every month in order to live because they themselves don't. If, if the client doesn't know, the accountant's definitely not going to know. And with the tax part of it, there also comes the question that I hear or more of a comment, I would say, around, wow, I had to pay so much in taxes but I only had so much in income that I took. And depending on how your business files for tax purposes, we're not accountants. However, we work with a lot of owners and understand, you know, cash flows in and out and tax purpose of how things get filed and how they're taxed. But when it comes to your business making, giving you providing a salary, and then there are profits that it does make where it does put a lot of stress. If there are last minute purchases for deductions, now it's getting to the part where it's, I'm making, I, I only took a hundred thousand from the business, but I, on my taxes, I'm showing I made 300,000 and I'm having to pay all this money in taxes. It's like, well, you actually did, <laughs> you made that money and you know, you're, just you're sitting in the business. Help. It's right? just sitting in the business or maybe it's not, maybe it got juiced up and put back into the business somehow. And there was no understanding, you know? Yeah. And well, and I think most people don't have enough wealth outside of the business to be able to handle those uh-ohs. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and cause oftentimes people don't realize that there's, there should be some sort of goal set for themselves to have money outside the business, not for just when the business maybe needs money or when there's a, a, a big problem from a tax perspective that maybe wasn't foreseen, but there's also a certain amount of wealth you want to have outside the business because this is one of the, one of the reasons why people hold their business well into their seventies, even sometimes that Tom, Tom, Tom and I have seen this 
is because they haven't been able to use the veterinarian our veterinary practice to build enough personal wealth outside the practice so that whenever they got to that time when they no longer wanted to own it, they were, they were able to sell it and have the same income whenever they got into their, their retirement years. A lot of the times, you, you know, you're only gone for six times, multiple, 10 times, multiple, whatever it is. And, and, and even if you sold it, you're not able to take that money and then reinvest it somewhere else to get the same level of income that you're getting. So mm -hmm. to have money or to have at least a, a part of your personal plan that connects with the business so that the business can transfer to personal wealth strategically over time and not just the day that you sell the business. I think that will take the pressure off of the reliance of the business over time, as well as uh, in the future, whenever it, whenever someone wants to retire. It, no matter what phase of business ownership you're in, let's say you're considering buying right now or starting, or you're in the middle of your career of owning a business, or let's say you're getting towards the latter part, we always say like the best time to consider your exit is right when you buy it. Even, even the idea of starting a business, you should always be considering how do I get out of this eventually in the future? And what does it look like in my plan? And, and I will tell you one thing is that it seems that the, the, the common thread is that we don't get this education before we start a business, which it's totally understandable. And we're hoping that this information that we're sharing with you can be able to help really start re shifting your thought process and, and how you're approaching these things. One, one last thing to mention here on this part is just that, like I had a professor back in college and in, in, in the investment world, when, cause a biz, when you buy a business, you are buying an investment, right? In the investment world, when you buy a stock or a bond or whatever kind of security you're buying, the idea is that you have a thesis behind it. There, there are, there are certain reasons or a reason that you bought that investment and it is contingent upon certain things, we call them catalysts, certain catalysts that would then have to happen in the future in order for us to go, okay, I bought this thing, it, these catalysts either did happen or did not happen. And so you're not buying something and then selling it at the time that it's down or the time that it's up. You're buying it with a particular thesis in mind, right? with, a, with specific reasons as to why you're buying it qualifications for the catalyst of those events over time to then once those have either happened or not happened, then that's the time to get out of it. Now, obviously, if those things change uh, somewhere in between, then in the reasons why you're owning that investment changes, then that's fine, right? You, you hold on to that investment until you, until it makes no, no longer makes sense. And when you buy into a vet practice or whenever you open a vet practice, it's insanely important to consider what are the reasons you're buying this. And at some point in the future, those reasons will no longer be there. They're no longer going to be the same. You bought into the business because you want to, you want to practice good medicine. Well, eventually you get to practicing good medicine and then it's like, now what? Like, well, clearly that, that thesis or that the reason why you got into business was not enough to actually see you all the way through the business. But if you got into business to practice good medicine because you want to build wealth, because you want to impact the community, because you yourself want to build your own balance sheet to build your own, to help your family out, right? To have your calendar be freed up. Well, then you want to work your way towards that, those goals in, in the invest in, inside your investment, which is your business in order to accomplish and get towards the reasons why you actually started in the first place. There's no perfect time to start anything. So maybe you should consider starting now. We created a brief 10 question quiz that will give you a financial checkup to make sure you're addressing every corner of your finances. This includes how you're protecting yourself from risk, 
how much money you're actually saving for your plan and building up a balanced asset portfolio or a balanced asset portfolio. Take the quick quiz now by clicking on the link in the description of this show or visit our website at flveterinaryadvisors.com. And if you're curious to take our business quiz, you can also find it there too. To shift gears here, let's talk about some steps that owners can actually take to coordinate their plan with their business. Because I think this is probably a lot of you are thinking about this right now of, okay, yeah, you've mentioned all these great things. Now, okay, what, what, what are some of the things I should be considering? Obviously, there's a difference between the practice value and the profits, right? So there, the, if you're not really sure how practices are valued, it's probably a good thing to start researching. I will tell you that bottom line is it's from profits. So the more profits you have, the more value your business is. And that's that's kind of the first, I would say, value metric. There's other things that build value inside of practices. But ultimately, at the end of the day, profits are going to be the first thing that people look at, especially when they're, when a, if you have a certified valuation analyst looking at your business. They're going to ask for tax returns. They're going to ask for P&Ls in order to find the actual value of your practice today should you sell it. And your practice is going to be dependent on a lot of different things because you know the corporations and these investment groups were buy-in of practices at very high numbers. Uh, there's a term called EBITDA. Uh, some of you probably have heard of it, some of you haven't. It's called earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. It's quite a mouthful, uh, but it's usually the number that they use to determine like, well, what is how much money is this business actually making? And if you sell it to an, another associate or another person in the hospital or sell it to, uh, let's say, a corporation, the, the pricing of it's going to be a lot different but the value at the end of the day really results to you know what CJ was also talking about here a moment ago is it's a profit. So like if during that time period though it's like when you're looking at your plan, you know your practice there's two folds that come into play here. There's one it's the the value of your business. So a lot of people we've noticed that going back earlier when CJ you when you're mentioning about people are waiting until their their 70s to start selling or retiring it's because well they're trying to figure out how to get their profits as high and get as much from their business as possible, which that's part of the equation. But then depending on how long your runway is before you actually do decide to sell, there's also the profits that you can take as income where so many people are unclear of what that number is. So let's over let's oversimplify the numbers, right? So if a, if a company makes $100,000 of profit and let's say it goes for a five times earnings, then that means that the actual value today for that business is 500000 If... If you look at, however, if that person is going to work in that business for 30 years, they're going to own it for the next 30 years, 100,000 in profits. Well, hopefully the 100,000 grows every year because inflation, right? Just inflation alone should make it bigger. But $100,000 in profits over 30 years would equal over $3 million. So there's a big difference between the value of the practice today and the value that it, the value that it brings in the cash flow per year to the owner over time. And I think this is where the that that's the the dance that people have. It's like, well, do I keep the business and continue to earn the hundred grand? Because if I if I sell now and I get five hundred thousand dollars, it's going to be it's not enough for me to then be able to to retire on. So, like, let me just hold on to this this hundred thousand uh, dollar profit machine, if you will, over the next however many years in order to get more value out of it. And that's that's the that's the delicate balance that a lot of people tend to find themselves in over time. 
And those profits that are being made, it's it's really important. Like when we were talking about earlier, there's the operations money, there's the dead cash, there's cash flow that's coming in. It's creating this plan that you can actively start building and juicing up your personal plan. Uh, otherwise, it's like those dollars can easily escape. Like I, I, it's it's sad at times when we do talk with people and it's like money just kind of gets sucked back into the business. And we're like, where'd it go? <laughs> what did it do? And it really didn't do anything. It didn't increase revenues. It didn't build up their personal wealth. It just kind of went places. And then we have to put put on our Sherlock Holmes hats <laughs> and try to investigate like what happened to it. So which sometimes, which sometimes uh, you can't even do that. Sometimes you you never mm-hmm. figure it out. I mean, there are many times yeah. when someone's like, "Yeah, I show X amount of profits, but I can't find any of it." It's like, well, you know that cruise to Alaska that you went on, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that you took everybody else on, right? <laughs> like, well. Some of it went there. Um, you know, sometimes people don't even know that they're spending money in the business in places that that maybe aren't even deductible, uh, you know, that that don't qualify as a deduction, deductible business expense, and therefore it's just cash that kind of ends up going. You're going to end up paying taxes on on the income. So, and this this all comes to how to so understanding how your practice is value, how how your practice is valued, how do you grow it. How do you plan for the exit? How will it fit inside of your retirement plan? Or even how would it, how does it fit inside your short-term goals? The best thing that you can be doing along this time period, if you are starting off your ownership of a practice, uh, let's say you're even in the middle of your career, let's even just say you're five years out from wanting to sell your business. The best thing you can do at this moment is to consider on how to reduce your retirement's reliance on that sale. Because you know, at some point, uh, you you will are going. Every person's going to leave their business, and it, you're either going to leave it by by choice, or you're going to leave it at some point where, you know, life is just going to happen, and then you're going to pass on, and then the practice is going to transition. So, you know, at some point, like if you are going to want to leave on your own terms, the best thing that is like, how do we start accumulating wealth? How do we start building some extra dollars outside of the business during this time? Uh, and, and this is something that it's, if you haven't started doing it, if you only are focusing on, let's say retirement accounts and maxing out a simple IRA, it's taking out, or, or let's say a 401k, it's taking a consideration of what your business is actually doing from profits and start setting up a way to start saving money at a consistent level. Our goal is we usually communicate to people is 20% of what you're earning and then having periodic dead cash sweeps to be able to take money out. So step one. Understand the value of your business, right? This is the start, start looking into that. Step two, think of all the, the things that you should be doing to protect the business so that as you're building the business, the unexpected doesn't derail your progress and completely interrupt your plan. And step three is be intentional on actively saving money outside the business so that over time, your reliance on the sale of that practice and the reliance on the performance of that practice reduces over time. Please help us spread the word about our podcast by liking the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast Facebook page. If you found this episode to be helpful, take it, share it with one of your friends, share it with one of your colleagues, blast it all over wherever you want to because other people are looking for the same great content and we'd really love to uh, be able to get this information out to more people. And if you haven't had a chance to actually go rate our podcast, please take a moment, go to Spotify or Apple and show us some love. This is CJ Burnett. And I'm Tom Seco. Wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, 
short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Venture Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by park avenue securities guardian or florida veterinary advisors and opinions stated are their own this material is intended for general use by providing the content park avenue securities llc and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity all investments contain risk and may lose value past performance is not a guarantee of future results the individuals associated with florida veterinary advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals florida veterinary advisors is not registered in any state or with the u.s Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Submission number 2024-167-235 expires January 2026.